Good evening and welcome to the fifth quarter. Along with Hall of Famer Warren Moon, I'm Paul Silvey. We're excited to have C.J. Procise live in studio tonight. Seahawks 6-3 and three after beating Arizona Thursday night. And Warren, on the whole, how are you feeling about this team right now? Well, they're a banged up bunch right now, but they got to feel good about where they are. You know, they're 6-3 and three and uh, they're right there in their division where they want to be as far as being able to make that next move. They get a the, chance to play the Rams later on this season. That's who they're chasing right now. They get, a, get to play them right here in uh, Central Link Field. But they just got to keep taking one game at a time, try and win the next football game available to them. And that's what Pete Carroll always preaches. The next game is the most important game. So they've got to get ready for a good Atlanta team coming in here. And uh, that'll, be their next, uh, that'll be their next conquest. Yeah, the Hawks coming off that injury-riddled win over the Cardinals and the biggest loss in that game, of course. Richard Sherman with the ruptured Achilles. Here's Pete on having to play now without his star cornerback. Uh, he has been just a you know bastion of you know consistency and competitiveness and toughness and you know through all of the, you know, the stuff that you know we we worked through together and all of it. Uh, it's been awesome. You know it's been hard. It's been challenging. He's been an extraordinary. Uh, um, almost iconic player, you know, in this league. And uh, so he's going to have to sit, you know, you know, try not to go overboard on this. But I just that's just the way I feel about it. And, and uh, um, we'll miss the heck out of him. And uh, he'll be with us, I know, every step of the way and when he can. And, and uh, But uh, we'll miss the heck out of him. All right, with uh, Sherman out, can the Seahawks adjust their defensive schemes to kind of, uh, you know, maybe adjust for the loss of Sherman? Or the cornerback is always kind of out there on an island. Well, they never really put their guys out on an island a lot unless they're bringing pressure, and they hope that pressure gets to the quarterback before that uh, defender has to cover too long. But uh, they're going to play their patented zone defense, and whoever they put in there, whether it's uh, uh, Jeremy Lane or, or Deshaun Shedd when he comes back, or if they go out on the waiver wire and get someone, they're going to play their same defensive coverage, and, and that's just something that you have to learn uh, being a part of the Seahawks defensive football team. And you play the zone very well. And I'm sure when they pick their spots, when they're going to bring pressure and when they're going to play man-for-man coverage, they'll do it with the matchups that are more favorable to what they like. So uh, it's definitely going to be different without Richard not being out there. He's one of the best corners, if not the best cover corner in the league. But you got to go with the next man-up man uh, uh, type, of, type of category of who's going to be the next guy to step up and take his place and go out there and, 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 and make the plays that you need to make as a defensive back. Like I said, nobody's going to be able to replace him, but you got to be able to go out there and do the job. Okay, we saw number 20 there, uh, Jeremy Lane, getting the job done against the Cardinals. Uh, he's one of those guys that could be uh, one of the great uh, fill-ins and how fortuitous that he comes back to the Seahawks after failing that physical with the, ti- the Texans. But, uh, you know, you got Lane in there. Uh, Justin Coleman, another guy who could fill those. Who do you think would be the natural fit right now? Well, right now I think it's going to be Jeremy Lane because he's, he's always been a corner, even though he does play nickel as well. Um, I think uh, Coleman is doing a nice job as the nickelback, so why not put Jeremy out on the, uh, the corner somewhere where he's, he's uh, comfortable, he's played there before, even though he plays a lot of nickel as well. So they've got a lot of interchangeable parts. And then again, like I said, Deshaun Shedd will be coming back uh, from his injury probably the next two to three weeks, so they'll have a little more depth and, and more experience to add back to that secondary. They're going to need some depth, though, huh? Because I heard the name Byron Maxwell thrown out there, and it's not unusual <laughs> for the Seahawks to go get a former player and bring him back in the fold. He's very uh, uh, knowledgeable of that Seahawks defense. Yeah, he knows the system very, very well, and, and, and it's not you know, exactly sure on when Deshaun Shedd would be available because he is coming back off of a knee, in, knee surgery, so you don't know 
uh, when that's actually going to be. But from what I'm hearing, it's in the next two to three weeks. But uh, Byron Maxwell is a guy who was released earlier this season. Uh, hopefully he's still in good shape. And he does know this defense very well and had a lot of success playing in this defense. So he could be an, an option. Yeah, you never put anything past John and Pete, right? No, they just kind of no, get out there no. and take care of business. They, they leave nothing, uh, no, no stone unturned. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians, he drew up a separate game plan. If Earl played in that game and if he didn't play in that game, what does it tell you about Earl's status in the NFL? And, and, and how difficult would it be for the Cardinals to have to pick up and learn a couple of game plans going into a Thursday night game? Well, I don't think you learn a whole new game plan, but what you do when Earl Thomas is in there and what you do when he's not in there are two different things. And I'm sure they had certain plays where they wanted to maybe attack the seams and maybe try and attack the, the deep middle if Earl Thomas wasn't going to be there. But then you kind of take those things away if Earl Thomas is going to be there because you don't want to throw into one of the strengths of a defense. So when you say uh, 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 two different game plans, it's probably two different types of throws that they want to make when Earl's not in there. They might make most of their throws stay to the outside or more underneath routes as opposed to trying to attack us deep if Earl wasn't in there. Yeah, that guy's got an awful lot of respect, though, doesn't he? Yes, he, he does. Wow. And great, great defensive players usually do. And Bobby Wagner's another one of those guys who has a lot of respect. You know, he is kind of that key cog in that Seahawks defense and uh, one of the captains on that defense. And you talk about Bobby if he's not having his best season, he's having one of his best seasons. What does he do so well? Well, first of all, he's one of the fastest linebackers of that position in the league. He can go from sideline to sideline as well as any middle linebacker in the league. Uh, he's a very, very good tackler, especially in space. And you've got to be a really good tackler at the, at the middle linebacker spot. He really knows his defense inside and out. And him and K.J. Wright really play well together. Uh, he's a guy that can shed blocks and make tackles, but he can also go around blocks and make tackles. So he does so many different things as being a great athlete, but he's really studied this defense, and he studies his opponent as well because he's been a veteran in this league now. So you add that physical ability to go along with the mental and, and the uh, psychological abilities that he has right now. That makes him one of the best players in the league. He's a big play guy as well, making interceptions and sacks as well. Yeah, he probably would want you to give a little shout-out to his buddy K.J. Wright out there because <laughs> don't you think K.J. Is, is an outstanding linebacker in his own right, and, and they kind of play off each other, make each other better, huh? They, they really do. They, they're a, a great tandem together. They've been here together the whole time, and uh, they really know each other. All they have to do is give each other a look or a nod, and each, each guy knows exactly where he's supposed to be. That's why they've both been up over 100 tackles probably for the last four or five years. They just just know where the football is, and they know how to get to it. All right, let's uh, switch to the offense now and the play everybody's still talking about uh, this weekend. The Houdini-like escape by Russell Wilson and the catch and run by Doug Baldwin. <laughs> uh, the long gainer set up the touchdown that gave the Seahawks some breathing room on Thursday night. Bruce Arians says that, you know, oh, hey, uh, you know, he was just trying to throw that football away, and Baldwin just kind of was there. I don't know how true that is, but before that play, Russell got hammered by Carlos Dansby. He spent uh, less than three seconds in, in the sideline tent there, and now there's some, uh, some investigation going on from the NFL about concussion protocol. Uh, you know, it's a good idea, but uh, some teams may be not enforcing that, that protocol. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the Seahawks and the quick three-second look they had on Russell before he went out? Well, I'm sure if they, they told him to come out of the game, they were probably looking at it. They have these... Uh concussion specialists on the sidelines looking at different players to see if there is any type of head trauma. Uh, is that player, is he acting normal? Is he acting kind of wobbly? And, and if they think so, they bring him off the field to get him examined. And I'm sure that's what happened with Russell. Uh, whether he went through the whole examination, I, I don't think he did. But 
Uh, he didn't feel like he was concussed. He felt like he got hit in the jaw, and I've been hit in the jaw many times before, too, under, up under the chin strap. And you just want to make sure that you can talk and, and say the next play more than anything else. You're not so much dazed or anything like that, but your, your jaw does hurt, and I'm sure that's what happened with Russell. So I don't know how the league is going to handle this because they do have that person on the sideline to try and protect these players from themselves, but we'll just have to wait and see what the investigation brings. Yeah, I think it's, you're right. I think it's going to be a few days before they get back to them, but it's certainly ongoing. Uh, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, you could see how quarterbacks got hammered. I've seen oh, yeah. highlights of you, uh, you know, getting drilled back there. And now, you know, present day, you don't see it. Um, it you know, are, you going to, are we going to see kind of the, uh, maybe a little the revert back to the way things are and, and maybe these quarterbacks uh, getting less coddled? No, it'll never go back to that. And, and you, want it, you want it that way. You want to protect these players as much as possible, especially quarterbacks, because they're they're high-profile players in this league. You look at some of the ones that are out right now, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or, or Carson Palmer or just, just a bunch of big-name guys that are out of the game that really hurt, not, hurt the game not being there. But So uh, you want to make sure you protect these guys as much as they can because they're sitting back there in that pocket and they're in very vulnerable positions when they're throwing the football and their bodies are wide open. And if you, if you just let guys continually take big shots at them, you're going to have a lot of these guys missing football games, and that's not what the league wants right now. Okay. All right. To, to the running backs now, 75 yards rushing against Arizona, 19 of those from Russell Wilson. And really, how far can this team expect to go, Warren, without a reliable running game? Well, the running game has just been inconsistent to me. I think at times it's really good. A couple of weeks ago we had 148 yards rushing. Uh, we've had games where we've had 130. We've had 194. But then we've had some games where, like last week, only 65 and, and a couple other games with less than that. So we want to be more consistent in the running game. And that consistency, I think, is going to come with the way our offensive line starts to, to gel as those guys get a chance to play with one another for a number of weeks. And as we get healthy running backs, we've had guys in and out of the lineup, and that's kind of hurt it as well. So I think we still have seven games left to play in the season. There's still a lot of time left to get that running game going to when you get down the stretch, those last three or four games going into the playoffs. You know, it's interesting because with running backs like Elliott, Gurley, Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers, uh, they've become so important to their offenses. Those particular guys, you know, is there going to be a resurgence of the importance of running backs in the NFL? Because, you know, there for a while there, it was like, oh, we don't need a running back. When all of a sudden people are realizing you do need star running backs. Well, running backs are important, especially depending on what type of style that you run offensively, you need to have a good running back back there. Uh, you look at the, the years when the Seahawks were dominant or when they were going to Super Bowls, they had Marshawn Lynch. Or you look at San Francisco 49ers, they had Frank Gore. Uh, you look at the uh, Carolina Panthers a couple of years ago when they had Cam Newton running the football to go along with, with their running game. So the running game is important to a lot of football teams who want to run the football. But then we also know that the rules in this game right now are geared towards passing, and most teams like to throw the football all over the place. Uh, you know I like to take you back to your playing days whenever I get a chance. You played in that <laughs> wide-open run and shoot with the Houston Oilers. It's still fun, Ward. still fun. You know, uh, how important was a running game for you? And, and maybe, maybe throw out a name or two that used to use to rely on well the game is the running game is going to always be important to you because you have to keep the defense off balance you just can't do one thing all game long or they'll play right into that and take it away from you so we ran the ball out of our run and shoot as well as anybody we had 
a guy named Gary Brown, who uh, is, is the running back coach now for the Dallas Cowboys. He ran for over 1,000 yards in only eight games. He took over at the halfway point because of an injury. Uh, we ha had another guy by the name of Lorenzo, Wright, Lorenzo White. excuse me. He went to the Pro Bowl a couple of different times, over 1,000 yards. So we always had a 1,000-yard back on our football team, and we, and we ran the ball very effectively, even though we were more known for throwing the football all over the place. Yeah, I remember those names for you gotta sure. you got to have that balance. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. All right, NFL is kind of a copycat league and you and I have kind of had the discussion before but have you noticed any offensive trends uh, you know across the league here in, in recent games you're starting to see a lot of teams have a, a, a read option or zone read type of uh, look to their offense whether they have a quarterback that can run it or not just to give the impression that uh, that, that they can do it and uh, you'll see teams uh, stick the ball in there and pull it out and the quarterback might run or some teams that don't have a quarterback that really runs very well, he'll pull it out in there and pull it out and maybe throw a pass off of it. So you're seeing a lot of teams use the read option in their offense as another uh, viable way to just to, to uh, give the defense another look and give them some deception. You know, the Seahawks did that so well, and that was even when Colin Kaepernick was at his peak with the 49ers as well. Uh, but Russell's one of the best at that. He really is. And, and uh, once they get that, that zone read going the way they want to get it going, especially with the inside run of it, it's going to make it so much more dangerous once he does pull it out and go around the outside. Because you have to, you have to make sure you take away the inside part of it first in order to, uh, to, to maybe distract the teams from even doing it. But if you're, not, if you're giving the inside run and it's being effective, next thing you know, the, f the quarterback is going to pull it out because that, that defensive end is going to start sucking down inside to try and stop the inside run. Next thing you know, the quarterback's around the end. So you've got to stop the inside run part of it first. Yeah, but as an offense, you've got to set it up, right? I mean, it's, it, you, you've got to kind of keep baiting those guys a little bit. You do. You've got to keep giving it, and, and, and you want to be successful on the inside run part of it. And there's also passes off of it as well. There's a lot of different things you can do off of it, but it all starts with that inside run. All right, we'll see as the season goes on for the Seahawks offense. Plenty still to come here on the fifth quarter, including our guests. CJ Procise in studio. There he is. Be Procise. He's here to join us. We'll talk about some of the injuries that have been nagging at him, plus his future with the Hawks. Up next as the fifth quarter rolls on. Take you all the way back to Nashville in the Titans game. Russell Wilson hits Doug Baldwin for 36 yards. Wilson then finds CJ Procise deep for 46 yards. It ends with a TD pass to Baldwin. Five plays, 86 yards, and 49 seconds. We give you the Titans drive <laughs> because C.J. Procise was a big part of it. He joins us now in studio. And I'm going to start right with the ankle, C.J. I thought it was your right ankle the other night, the one that's been nagging at you. It was your left ankle that you hurt in the Arizona game. How frustrating is it for you to go out on the field and not last and the body give out on you? Uh, I mean, it's been tough, you know, these last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, the whole season I mean, since the Titans game has been a tough, uh, tough year for me, you know, but – for me, you know, I just got to stay focused. Uh, you know, I just come in, come in the next day and, you know, keep working, uh, you know, keep rehabbing and doing as much as I can for my ankle and, you know, get it back out there as soon as I can. You know, I, I can only control what I can control. What have you been able to do to try and keep your focus and keep yourself uh, motivated to go out there and play every week? Because I know rehab can be very, very frustrating, especially right. to a young player who's used to playing all the time. Now, all of a sudden, you're in that training room every day. You see your teammates going out to practice every day. How have you been able to keep yourself up and motivated? Uh, I mean, I mean, a lot, a lot has to do with my teammates. You know, they, they, they keep me up. You know, they, they saying, you know, keep your head up. You know, don't let it get you down. Uh, you know, family and friends, you know, people around you. And, you know, I mean, and, and for me, it's just, you know, my love of the game. You know, I want to I want to be out there playing and, you know, I know that I have to this is what I got to go through. And, you know, right now, you know, I'm not going through the best times, but I got to keep working and, you know, I just got to keep re rehabbing as much as I can so I can get back on that field. 
Yeah, you got to be encouraged that the Seahawks uh, think so much of you and they put so much in the offense to uh, take advantage of your skills, whether it's different pass plays they put you in, different formations they put you in to try and get you the football. But at the same time, you're not able to go out there and, and do the things that you know that you're capable of doing. It's got to be uh, a little frustrating. Huh? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been the hardest part because, you know, I, I know I can get out there and do things, you know, and help the offense out a lot uh, tremendously. And, and, you know, just seeing them, just having them watch from the sidelines has been really frustrating. But, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm keep hanging in there. It's just going to take a lot more than, you know, a couple ankle, in, ankle injuries to get me down. Yeah, when people see that, that replay of you going down the Cardinals game on a gang tackle, it's really amazing that that's all that happened was an injured ankle on that. Um, when you were taken down, you said you felt something snap or you heard something snap? So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely at that point where I was uh, kind of feeling it, you know, feeling it close to something happening. Uh, and, you know, I mean, right at that moment I knew it was, you know, it was something. And I, mean, I was surprised I was able to get up off the field. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, they were surprised they see me walk off. And, I mean, I was just – you know, I got to the sideline, you know, I knew, it was, I, I knew it was a high ankle at that point. You know, I'm walking, I'm like, oh, it's another high ankle. And then, of course, it's a left ankle this time. So, you know, a little bit of bad luck, but, you know, it, it happens, and you know, I just keep pushing. What's the feeling in that running back room? Because you had Chris Carson go down early in the season. Uh, 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 Thomas Rawls has been banged up from time to time. Also, now uh, this week, uh, Eddie Lacy goes down a couple of – well, last week with a groin injury. Yeah. you got a lot of guys in and out of, of that room, and you just can't seem to have one guy that can – stay healthy to be that, that, that workload back. Yeah, I mean, it's been tough, you know, I mean, I mean especially on this because, you know, just watching, you know, seeing other guys have so much success, you know, in the league, you know, seeing all these other, other backs, you know, kind of have, you know, really, I mean, just all these other backs being so dynamic and, you know, kind of the running back is coming back now and, and that, and, you know, us kind of having, kind of struggling, you know, just, and, you know, for us, we just stand confident, you know, we just got to, we, we got to believe that, you know, it's going it's gonna to happen and we do believe, you know, the next game, it might not, might not have worked, you know. We might not have ran well last game, but ne- the next game it's gonna be it's gonna be better. You know, we're gonna we're gonna ha- we're gonna have that breakout game. So we still we got that every 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 game we go in with that mindset, and it doesn't matter if who who the guy is, it's gonna be carrying the ball. You guys trail the LA Rams by a game right now, and and are you surprised at the emergence of of the Rams and how well they've played? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, I mean, it's it's fun to see them. I mean, to see them play and you know, see them ball because uh, I mean, they got a lot of you know a lot of good young talent, you know, Gurley and uh and golf, and then them guys are really, you know, kind of taking off and just seeing that team, you know, kind of struggle the past couple of years and finally, you know, kind of turn it around, you know, it's, just, it's great to have that competition in the, inside the division. I know you got some things coming up here. You got, uh, you know, you have an event that we're going to talk about in a few, but I, I got to ask you about Notre Dame and Miami the other day. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what, what happened to oh, Yamamata there? Listen, yeah, I mean, we, we, had, we, had a, we had a tough one yesterday. We, uh, you know, it's just, it's just games like that. You know, I can't we, say we anything it. because uh, <laughs> we had a tough one too. <laughs> yeah, we went, you know. That surprised me more than anything else. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, that Notre Dame game did surprise me. I oh, thought yeah, you guys we had a really good team coming into that game. We went into a tough environment. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they, I mean, they definitely want to stop. They wanted to stop our run game, and they did a good job of that. And, uh, I mean, Miami is a great team. And, you know, I, mean, I was surprised, honestly, you know, watching the game. And, I'm seeing that Miami's undefeated and they're still ranked number seven. Yeah. And then, you know, after that game, I'm like, they should be easily top five, I mean, yeah. easily top four, you know. So Miami's a really good team, but, uh, you know, I was, I was really disappointed to see my, uh, my, my boys come out there and do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you try to watch them, though, when you can, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely try to. I mean, every time, every, whenever they're on, I, you know, I want to watch, you know, I still mean, because the guys, I still play with, you know, like Josh Adams, you know, that's my, my little brother, you know. We, we played together, you know, when he was, I was my, my, First year playing running back, he's, he's a rookie. It's his freshman year, so we was, you know, chopping it up, and you know, I got to learn a lot, you know, learn a lot from each other. So, you know, just it's great. It's always great watching them. So uh, I'm just 
I was kind of, I was really disappointed just to see him, see him go down yesterday. But, yeah. uh, you know, they'll, they'll bounce back. Yeah, well, I'm bounce sure they back. will, man. It's a great <laughs> program. All right. Well, you know, one of the things is you like to give back to the community whenever you can, and you have a special Thanksgiving event coming up. Tell us a little bit about what you have coming up. Oh, yeah, man. So, uh, I, mean, for, I mean, for me, Thanksgiving is, you know, it's always my favorite holiday, and uh, I always kind of want to uh, give back. And, and, you know, for Thanksgiving, you know, I always want, you know, I mean, for me, it's about everybody being together and always kind of just a family environment. So, you know, we're doing this event, the Boys and Girls Club, where we're just, uh, you know, we just we want to you know feed feed the feed the kids. You know, we don't want anybody to be hungry on Thanksgiving, yeah. and we just want to have a, a kind of a family environment where everybody's together, and you know we just bring everybody together as a community. Yeah, that's, that's coming up Wednesday too, November fifteenth. Mm -hmm. Just uh, coming up later this week, four thirty to six thirty, a couple hours with CJ and. Uh, family and friends and uh, I think that's great man it's, it's a really cool thing and, and uh, I like the fact that uh, each week on this program you have a chance to, to, to tell a little bit about yourself and, and give back to the community in that way you've been enjoying those segments oh I'm in loving them you know it just it's, it's been a great experience for me you know for especially for Seattle for for you know what they've given me and the opportunity they give me to be here uh, I'm just you know I'm happy you know that I'm getting the opportunity to kind of show show myself and you know, give back in the way they're giving me. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's obvious that you do that, man. We appreciate you coming on. I know it's been frustrating for you throughout the season and with the injuries, and we hope you can bounce back quick from that left ankle injury. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Welcome back to the fifth quarter. Each of the NFC division leaders are rolling right now. The Eagles and Saints have won seven straight, five in a row for the Vikings, and four straight for the surprising L.A. Rams. Currently, the Seahawks are fifth in the conference, a game behind the Rams in the West. Let's take a look at the highlights. Coliseum today, the Rams hosting and beating the Texans badly. Jared Goff for the play action and the bomb to Robert Woods. He's gone 94 yards for a touchdown. What a day for Woods. In the third quarter, the Rams score 14 points in 19 seconds. Here's Goff to Woods again at 174 yards receiving. L.A. wins it 33-7. We've seen the Rams up close, and now we've seen them improve even since the Seahawks beat them. Warren, uh, are they for real? They are for real. I mean, when you win, uh, you know, they're 7-2 and two right now. They're on top of the division, and they're, I think they're leading the league in scoring right now. So they're a team that we always knew had a great defense. Uh, they were always a quarterback away from being a really good football team. And with the addition of Sean McVay as their head coach, uh, they brought in Andrew Whitworth as a left tackle to go along with uh, uh, Robert Woods, as you see right here. And they also have Sammy Watkins. So they added some nice pieces around Jared Goff, and they're doing some things offensively that really fit into what Goff's strengths are. And then you, you couple that with the defense, who's now led by Wade Wilson, and we know what he's, I mean, Wade uh, Phillips, and we know what he's done as a defensive coordinator everywhere he's been. This is a really good football team. They're playing good defense, and they're also very explosive on the offensive side of the ball. So there's somebody that are gonna, we're going to have to be reckoned with them in this, uh, in this NFC West for a while. Yeah, head coach Sean McVay is doing a great job over there. And I saw a stat today during that game where this season they have three games they've won by over 30 points three it took them before this season it took them over 200 games to get three games with 30 point wins so it tells you how that offense is rolling the offense is rolling and the defense is playing very well and like we've always known their defense has been good they've always played us very very tough but they've always been low scoring close football games now they've got an offense to go along with that defense and that makes them doubly tough all right up next for the seahawks it'll be the atlanta falcons the birds hosting the cowboys today matt ryan throws 215 yards two touchdowns this one to james hardy adrian claiborne set a falcons record with six sacks of dak prescott one short of Derek thomas's record of seven dallas's offense Anemic without the suspended Ezekiel Elliott. Falcons win it 
seven. So Elliott will miss five more games. He's eligible to return Christmas Eve against the Seahawks. Timely there. Uh, is this the end for the Cowboys, or what's the deal with this team? Because it doesn't set up very well for them, at least with the schedule. Yeah, it's not the end, but they're definitely going to have to um, kind of revive the way they do certain things on offense. They can't rely on Ezekiel Elliott as much. they got to get their left tackle back, Tyron Smith. He was more of a loss today than I think Elliott was because they couldn't block uh, Claiborne coming off that side with, with the guy that was playing over there. So they, they, you have one of the best left tackles missing in the game now on their offense. You have one of the best running backs in the game now on their offense. That's really going to hurt you. So you've got you to make up for that somehow. But uh, I think Dallas, uh, they have a tough schedule ahead of them. And they're going to have to do things a little bit differently offensively to generate points, but it's going to come down to their defense, too. Their defense is going to have to play a little bit better. When you lose a guy the, the caliber of uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you're gonna, everybody's got to step up and, and make some plays. Well, they got a big one, boy, next week against the Philadelphia Eagles for sure. Oh, what do you make about Dallas owner Jerry Jones? He's been kind of uh, unhappy with the Elliott suspension, uh, the proposed extension for Commissioner Roger Goodell. He's kind of getting uh, some guys together and, and uh, trying to get after Goodell. you think Jerry <laughs> has the juice and the support to maybe oust the commission? I, I doubt it. I think that that deal is definitely close to being done. And I know Jerry's got probably got sour grapes because of the Ezekiel Elliott thing and the way uh, the commissioner has handled that. I don't think Jerry was too upset when Tom Brady got uh, suspended for four games You know, last year. He didn't say a whole lot about that. But because it's one of his players, that's one of the reasons why he's probably upset. But, you know, it's not a good look for the league in general just to have all the owners bickering about each other. If, if anything, they should all be on the same page to go along with what the commissioner is talking about because that – you would, you would hope that they're all on the same page about that, but it just makes the league look bad with all the other things that are going on in the league that are controversial. All right. Uh, so both the Cowboys-Falcons, they're both 5-4 and four right now. Atlanta is here next Monday night for the primetime game, and that's going to be a great show, showdown because Seahawks always play well in the primetime matchups. Falcons are just 2-3 and three in their last five with losses to Carolina, New England, and Miami, but wins over the Jets, and now the Cowboys – what do you make of this Atlanta Falcons team? Because there was so much talk about that Super Bowl hangover. Is there a chance that midway through the season they got over it? Well, we'll have to wait and see. I know that Matt Ryan played much better today, and that's one of the reasons why they won. And he hasn't been that consistent this year. I think that's one of the things that has really hurt him this year. Doesn't seem to be as hot a quarterback as he was last year. But in today's game, he hit like 11 passes in a row at one time, and he was really on. And uh, he was very hard to stop. And when this offense gets a clicking, we know how this offense can be because we saw it last year in the playoffs when they put us out um, of the playoffs. And, and they have a lot of talent on this team, a lot of young talent, a lot of speed, uh, and a lot of great weapons on the offensive side. So if they're putting it together at the right time for them, they're going to be a tough team to, to, to knock out of this because they do have that playoff experience. And they do have that hunger of wanting to get back to the Super Bowl and maybe win it this time as opposed to you know blowing it like they did last year. Yeah, we saw what happened last time they were in Seattle. They fell behind early but then rallied, make it a heck of a finish there. So another exciting one. Uh, on the tap for uh, Monday Night Football. We'll save the rest of that Falcons talk for next Sunday's <laughs> show It'll be on the eve of that big matchup. Up next, the Thursday night football situation. It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge for the players. And uh, our guys did it, and their guys did it. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's a great event. You know, it's a great event and uh, for everybody and, and, and all that. But it's very difficult, very challenging. To ask us to turn around and, and be ready after, um, you know, Sunday, to turn around and have our bodies okay on that Thursday is really tough for us to do. Um, you know, I hope the league is, is watching and, and um, you know, uh, hopefully look at it and see what happens and, and change this format. I think if you're going to give us a Thursday night game, you need to give us a little bit more time in between maybe a bye week before the Thursday night game. Um, that's my opinion.
This is a list of Seahawks who left Thursday's game with injuries. Eight on the defensive side, three on offense. Feeling is most of these players should be available for next Monday night's game against the Falcons. Uh, you know, it was really one of the hot topics, the injury report and uh, you know, all the talking that uh, kind of uh, came about the injuries and playing on Thursday night football. Warren, do you, uh, you look at this, CBS, NBC combined for $450 million to pay for the rights just for Thursday night football. Do you ever right. see it going away, knowing that's the kind of money that's going to change hands? It'd probably have to be collectively bargained to go away in the next time they have a, you know, a contract come up, I think that's in 2021 or something like that. But uh, you see the amount of money that these players are, are, are playing for, for the owners and also for themselves. Uh, this is something probably that Dallas and Detroit has done for forever. They have always played on, on Thursday, on, on Thanksgiving. And I know I played in four or five games on Thanksgiving throughout my career. It, it is a very tough turnaround for you to play on a Sunday, depending on how physical that game was on that Sunday, to get ready to play again in four days, especially for the guys who really hit. Not so much for the quarterbacks, but the preparation time, you just don't get enough preparation time to really go from one, one, uh, one game and then all of a sudden try and prepare for another game within three days. It's a very tough turnaround. The quality of play is going to suffer, and you're going to see some more injuries. But because of the amount of money that's being played for, you probably won't see these games going anywhere for a while. And every team only has to do it one time throughout the year, so they just have to gut it through. Now let me ask you one quick question here about, uh, you know, there's, there's this push that maybe you go from 16 regular season games to 18 regular season games. That would mean a lot more money for the NFL. Would that be a chance to maybe dump the Thursday games if they add two more regular season games? I think that's something the players have really been against uh, for, for quite a while. They don't want to add any more games to the schedule because 16 games is enough on your body as, as it is, and then you go into the playoffs to go along with whatever you play in the preseason. So I don't think you want to see the players uh, add any more, any more games. The owners, of course, would love to because that's more revenue for them and, and more revenue for the league. But uh, that's something I think that, that would be worth striking over for the players going up to 18 games as opposed to maybe getting rid of the thir Thursday night games. I think the players maybe go along with that more so than adding two more games to the schedule. All right, great take from the Hall of Famer Warren Moon. That's going to do it for us tonight. For Warren, I'm Paul Sylvie. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again on Thursday night following the Titans and the Steelers right here on King 5. Have a great week.